The psychologist Bruno Bettelheim wrote a book in 1987 called A Good Enough Parent. He says that in order to raise a child well, one ought not to try to be a perfect parent, as much as one shouldn't expect one's child to be or to become a perfect individual. Perfection is not within the grasp of ordinary human beings, he says. And that's what today is about, realizing that perfection is not within the grasp of ordinary human beings, nor do we want to waste our time trying to attain it. For all of you out there who are parents, grandparents, carers, or educators, and for those of you who are childless, or who've wanted children and helped parent others' children, rest assured there is no perfection or perfect path. We're all perfectly imperfect in our own unique humanity. And as those of us who've ever been children at one time or another might remember, parenting a human is no walk in the park, particularly during a pandemic. The New York Times tells a story of a group of depleted mothers who met in a New Jersey park last September when they realized that their kids wouldn't be going back to in-person school. Stuck in small apartments, working from home while homeschooling their children, trying to hold their relationships and lives together, these mothers stood socially distanced in a circle in the park. Now you're probably thinking that they gathered to talk and be creative and come up with ideas to support each other. But no, that's not what happened. They screamed their lungs out. They couldn't stop. They just screamed until they were too tired to scream anymore. They were stretched so thin, pulled in so many directions, frustrated and worried about the toll the pandemic was taking on them and their families. And so they just screamed and likely shed a few tears. Many women have had to put their careers on hold as we revert to 1980s levels of women in the workforce. The New York Times tells us that almost one million mothers have left the workforce with black mothers, Latina mothers, and single mothers among the hardest hit. These are tough times, even for the most seemingly holding it all together parents, but particularly for the marginalized and essential workers. And it's really tough right now for many of us as we approach the one year anniversary of the lockdown in a couple of weeks. Our children, also are experiencing huge stress. They're cut off from their friends, mostly doing school online, and not being able to get out and play and socialize as normal is taking its toll. Many children and young people are struggling with depression, anxiety, and stress as they look at an uncertain future that doesn't seem to hold hopeful possibilities. So how do we know if we're being a good enough parent? especially during tough times when we feel like we might be losing it ourselves? How do we know if we're doing okay as parents despite seeming evidence to the contrary? 
We know parents, teachers, and caregivers play a vital influencing role in shaping children. We know we play some part in creating citizens of the future, at least in the nurture part of the nature-nurture equation. Yet sadly, parenting is so barely supported by our social services, our schools and institutions. We're taught math and history, English and physics and biology at school, but almost no school prepares us for the most challenging of jobs, how to raise and care for the next generation. Even though this is one of the most impactful things that we can ever do with our lives. When I was pregnant with my son, I studied everything I could about pregnancy and childbirth. But when Gabriel was born, I realized other than instinct and the daily functions of feeding and changing my child, I had little to no knowledge of how to raise this new being in a psychologically healthy way. How would I nurture him without unconsciously passing on my own wounds from childhood? How could I raise him to be all that he could be? How could I instill my values of love and kindness and caring for others and help shape a contributing member of society? The task seemed daunting. So I dove into books and trainings and I studied to be a parent coach. We often teach what we most need to learn, don't we? So before long, I was working with parents and passing on what I'd learned through parent talk and connection parenting classes. And I started parent support groups and began to see I was not alone in bumbling through the early years of parenting, not knowing how to deal with each new change and challenge. And as parents brought their questions to me, should I let them cry it out? Or what do I do when they're having a tantrum in the store? Or what about when they answer back and won't listen to me? I realized there's no one-size-fits-all formula, no perfect solution for how to parent in the best way. I learned that what it really takes is treating our children with dignity and respect as unique human beings who are worthy of being listened to, reasoned with, and considered. I realized it would take being present with each new challenge with curiosity, courage, and humility emphasizing connection over control. And that this would be a journey filled with trial and error, with guessing and hope, with joy and despair. Like life itself, I would need to show up again and again with an open heart and willingness to try anew each day while granting myself a huge dollop of self-compassion. Parenting calls us to our growing edge all the time, doesn't it? At least it does for me. Just when you think you've figured it out, kids change and present us with a new challenge. I believe it's children's role to teach us what it means to love. In no other relationship in our lives are we as bound and connected. We can't divorce our children when we struggle in the relationship, when they're difficult or we can't control them and we don't know what to do. We can't wave a magic healing wand when they're sick or they're hurting to make things better. We can't stop them from individuating and making choices which may be harmful to themselves or others. 
We can't save them as they get older and veer down a precarious path. Daily, we may be asked to face someone not listening to us, possibly not respecting us, even doing the opposite of what we ask. Daily, we're being called to listen, empathize and stretch to brace, embrace another's worldview. Daily, we're challenged to show up with a fresh mind and heart, willing to not be right or in control. And daily, we're asked to keep trying, to keep being open and to keep loving. We're probably never going to forgive as much and try as hard as we do with our children, even when our kids are completely different from us and have opposite interests and ways of being. Meanwhile, children also have that marvelous capacity to act as mirrors, reflecting back to us how we appear on the outside. They give us that gift of a perspective even our closest friends and partners are often afraid to share. And to top it all off, after all the years of work and love, we have to let them go. Trust they're going to be okay and let them fly the nest. Whew. If you take your job as parents seriously, it can be one of your ultimate spiritual lessons in life. It's the school of love. It's being willing to try and fail and then try again that makes us good enough parents. In fact, if you care enough to ask whether you're a good parent, you likely are. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you gave people a job description for parenting. Okay, you'll get little sleep, worry most days, and then you get to change stinky diapers for a few years. And you're on call as a night nurse and need to be prepared to clean up vomit on your work shirt, as well as a lifetime of messes, as Kelly just reminded us. You'll deal with power struggles and rebellion and illness and pain. And the longer you work at this job, the less power you're going to have. You'll ultimately have no control over what your charges decide to do with their lives or their health or their well-being. Plus, you'll feel like your heart beats outside of your body. You can never protect yourself or your child enough as you sense your own vulnerability, observing and experiencing the many risks your children face. Oh, and by the way, it's unpaid. It's an internship where you have to pay to play. Now, most people would turn down that job, wouldn't they? And yet, it's the thing that we're designed to crave, propagation of the species and all. And those meaningful moments of delight, of silliness, of play and connectedness, of love and hope, make it all worthwhile, don't they? But my friends, parenting becomes even harder if you compare yourself to what or who you believe to be the perfect parent. There's no such thing. Despite all the mothers who show up with homemade cookies at soccer practice or who throw elaborate birthday parties with perfect homemade Thomas the Train cakes. Despite all the kids getting A's and writing symphonies and books before they're 10 years old. Bruno Bettelheim reminds us, while we are not perfect, we are indeed good enough parents if most of the time we love our children and do our best to do well by them. 
This wisdom or truth can protect us against the folly of reflecting that everything a child does reflects only upon us. Much of what he does has mainly to do with himself and only indirectly or peripherally with us and what we do. A mom by the name of April Perry tells this story. A few months ago, I was practicing sideways Dutch braids on my two daughters. And halfway through the braid, my fingers got all tangled up and the hair was too loose. And one of my daughters had been sitting with her head stuck to the side for several minutes. Feeling extremely frustrated, I said, that little girl in the how-to video is so lucky to have a mom who knows how to do her hair properly. And my daughter stopped me in my tracks when she responded, but I have a mom who's trying. That's what we're called to do to be good enough, my friends, to keep trying, to be present. April asks us to remember that it is our uniqueness and love that our children long for. It's our voices and our smiles, our jiggly tummies. Of course, we want to learn, improve and exercise and cook better and make our homes lovelier and provide beautiful experiences for our children. But at the end of the day, our children don't want a discouraged, stressed out mother who's wishing she were someone else. Psychologist Peter Gray writes in the magazine Psychology Today, if we are good enough parents, we don't take much credit nor much blame for our children's actions. We just concentrate on understanding and helping where help is required. Now, of course, there are endless parenting theories and approaches. And most of them fall somewhere on the spectrum between authoritarianism on one side and laissez-faire on the other. Should you be authoritarian and insist that your children do what you say until they leave home at age 18 because you know what's best for them? Or should you be more permissive and work on connecting with your youth rather than controlling them? My theory is that unless you've taken a deep dive into how you were parented, you might unconsciously repeat the same patterns. So parenting from a place of deep self-inquiry, humility, and reflection seems to make the most sense to me. We're making it all up most of the time anyway. Psychologist Jan Iverson has a wonderful theory for what makes a good enough parent. She shares on her website, selfconstruct.com, that there are five fundamental tasks of parent, parenting. First and foremost, she calls us to take our job as parent seriously to put consistent effort into expanding our parental expertise. Reflect on what you're doing as a parent, no matter how old your child. Any job worth doing involves learning. And she even encourages us to take our own aging and dying process seriously as a model for our children. Secondly, part of taking our job seriously, she says, involves us holding ourselves accountable we took this job on, we chose it. Kids don't need parents to be without fault, but they do need them to be accountable. Parenting is impossibly difficult, she writes. The job is going to involve lots and lots of mistakes because parenting is happening in a time and history that is only now unfolding with unique participants who are constantly changing. No biggie, she says. 
It's also critically important to be willing to apologize and own our mistakes when we make them as part of that accountability. Thirdly, she suggests to find the child delightful and help them feel uniquely wonderful as Pablo Casals insisted in our chalice lighting reading earlier. Gazing at and listening to your child are important ways to communicate that. Although you might say, well, of course I find my child delightful. What Iverson is saying here is that evident delight can lead to good psychological growth and well-being. Showing interest in their lives, even if those interests are far from your own, is important. I read an article recently about a mom who sat down with her teenage son to learn all about one of the shooting video games that she detested just so that they could connect. And it brought them closer. I aspire to that kind of parenting and I'm still determined to do that one day. As part of the delight, catch your children being good, Iverson says, rather than focusing continually on what they're doing wrong. This is also promoted in the nurtured heart parenting and teaching approach. The more we focus on and point out what is done well and how they're being good, the more children will get attention for good behavior and want to get more of that kind of attention. As the fourth characteristic, Iverson encourages us as parents to live our own lives to the fullest and explore who we are meant to be in life. Being fulfilled in our own lives is a great model for our children. As your child matures, Iverson invites parents to be the lighthouse, not the coast guard. Shine the light on areas of importance, but don't hover and check on everything. Get engaged with your own life so you don't over-police your child's. And finally, Iverson asks us to work on our own adult relationships, your co-parent, partner, colleagues, and friendships in order to model that relationships take work and dedication humility and courage. It serves children to see that relationships don't necessarily just happen the way we see them in the movies or on TV, that they take work and commitment. So condensed, she says, these five tasks are see them, think about them, admire them, impress them, and free them. Those are great tools for parenting and I encourage you to check out her website for more details. However, I promised that we would find a sense of being good enough in the service that we wouldn't come away with feeling we have to do even more. So how to do that? When everything is hard and I feel like I'm failing as a parent, which happens regularly, and I'm not living up to my ideals, it helps me to remember this simple breathing technique. And I think I've shared it with you before. On an in-breath, I say to myself, I do my best. And on an out-breath, I say, I let go of the rest. And really feel your body and mind melt as you say, I let go of the rest. So in the midst of a challenging day, just take a few moments and practice that. 
Let's do it together a couple of times right now. Breathing in, I do my best. Breathing out, I let go of the rest. Breathing in, I do my best. And breathing out, I let go of the rest. Maya Angelou wrote, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. My friends, in a nutshell, parenting is both joyous and hard, rewarding and taxing. But if one of our reasons for being on this earth is to learn to be more loving human beings, like Jesus and the Buddha taught us and our UU values call us to be, then parenting is a great opportunity to practice that, one of the best. And for a toolkit to help us on that spiritual journey, I leave you with a few questions that we can ask ourselves, some ideas to reflect on in our quest to be good enough parents. First and foremost, did I show up with love today? And if this is the only question that we ask ourselves, that is enough. But if we want to stretch our good enough parenting just a little further, we might also ask, and I'm going to send you these later so you don't have to frantically write them down. Can I show up each day with an open, loving heart? Am I willing to forgive my children and ask for their forgiveness? Am I open to learning from my kids? Can I see my child as a whole, individuated human being, not a project or projection to fix? Can I offer choices but not be attached to the choices that they make? Am I seeking to connect rather than control? Can I respect and find delight in my children? Am I doing the work of reparenting myself and growing my own wisdom? And can I try again, even when it's hard? If you can say yes to one or more of these questions, my friends, rest assured you are good enough. And I'll put those questions in an email to you later if you want to revisit them and practice with them. I close with an excerpt from a poem by Julia Fehrenbacher called Hold Out Your Hand. You matter. You are needed, empty and naked, willing to say yes and yes and yes. Stop asking, am I good enough? Ask only, am I showing up with love? May it be so.